0: You're listening to the Center for Auto Safety podcast with Executive Director Michael Brooks, Chief Engineer Fred Perkins, and hosted by Anthony Simino. For over 50 years, the Center for Auto Safety has been working to make cars safer. Find out more at (laughs) autosafety.org.
1: Pardon me, I'm COVID. Um, All right, listeners, are you ready for another round of your favorite podcast whose name we need to come up with a better one for? Yes, we are. Okay, great. So I want to start off this week. Remember last week we talked about GM Cruise and their uh, fascinating CEO, Kyle. Well, they say, hey, you don't need to own a car. Cars can drive themselves. Uh, cars, autonomous vehicles are the safest things in the world. So literally days after we published that episode, Cruise Car crashes into San Francisco munibus. <laughs> unbelievable like it missed a bus this is not like something small it's not like the time they ran over a fire hose this is a bus they ran into it thankfully no one was injured there was no one in the car no one driving the car either i mean I, I, you know hey kyle we love you well i mean we've
2: seen we've seen a lot in the last week from uh even from ford claiming that by 2025 They are going to be putting out trucks that you can fall asleep in while driving at 60 miles per hour, which we think is just absolute and utter insanity and it won't happen. And it's part of this future washing and pretending that uh, better things are going to happen really quickly in this area when I don't think that's true. And it's it's. Functionally, a sales tactic to get you to buy their vehicles now by promising you future technology, a la Tesla and, and, and their model, which is a little surprising from the, the main industry players.
0: Well, I want to point out that you can fall asleep in your car 60 miles an hour now, and it will continue driving. The only question is how long, and that, that's uh, something that they didn't really address in their announcement. Yeah, and they haven't released any
1: data, of course, because GM Cruise. they haven't said what happened, what went wrong, but I'm sure they're blaming the bus. It was the bus's fault, clearly, because our software is amazing. Uh, but that's it for GM Cruise week. Now I'm going to introduce – we have a, a special guest this week. Uh, I want to introduce Joanna L. Johnson. She is a regulatory attorney and the president of Johnson Policy Associates, a consulting firm with three decades of success designing and implementing win-win strategies for both public and private sector participants impacted by national and state environmental transportation, consumer protection, competition, and safety issues. That is a mouthful. I'm not even done yet. Okay, she's also a little – She's also the longstanding policy advisor and former general counsel for the Automotive Oil Change Association, the National Trade Association for Serious Automotive Maintenance Professionals. Welcome, Joanna.
3: Thank you. And you did that without taking a breath in that first sentence. That was
1: impressive. And I've got COVID. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and
2: so the reason we we have uh, Joanna today with us is that we're going to dive into defect petitions, which I'm, I'm sure we've mentioned in our work here, particularly around some of the Hyundai Kia fire stuff. Um, it's basically a little known process, not too well-known process, although over the years it's become a little more well-known that allows any consumer to petition NHTSA, Um determination of whether there's a defect in a certain vehicle or line of vehicles. Um, and we filed a number of petitions over the years. What you're basically doing is saying, Hey, Netsa, will you open a formal defect investigation to look into a problem? Um, and maybe even find that there's a recall because we believe there's an unreasonable risk to safety here. And so, um, Joanna has been uh, a driving force behind a petition, a defect petition that's currently pending before NHTSA's office of defect investigations. And it involves, you know, a, a kind of a unique defect with a um, oil drain plug that is popping out. And Hyundai is telling consumers one thing while consumers are being told another thing. And they're, you know, it's, it's a tough situation for consumers to be in um, and it's, somewhat related to a lot of the major engine problems that we've seen with Hyundai Key in the past. But I will let Joanna explain the situation to you much better than I could.
3: (laughs) Oh, well, thank you very much, Michael. Um, Also very happy to be here. So thank you for inviting me and also on behalf of the association um, where we're doing all this great work. Uh, This issue was something that we researched for three years before submitting the petition even though we were sure about it right away, three years. And the reason we waited is because this one is so bizarre, as far as defects go. Um, it is the history of automotive service uh, that if something like a drain plug falls out right after you had service done, you assume that it's the service provider. You just do. And that's across the aftermarket and dealers and everybody. You just assume that's true. What is different here in this case is that these drain plugs fall out after thousands of miles. Okay. Post-service thousands of miles. It is unheard of. We had to basically survey the entire aftermarket to make sure. That's why it took three years. We wanted to see all the complaints. We wanted to talk to consumers. Uh, we checked all the boxes, we wanted to make sure, we're like, what is going on? Did you see leakage before, you know, was it leaking after service? Did you go back and have it checked? And again, what is unique about this is there, it pops out thousands of miles after service, there's no telltale leakage, there are no uh, malfunction indicator lights that come on before before this defect appears, Um that there appeared to be two reasons for this, primary reasons for this. And the one would be that these oil drain pan assemblies come uh, pre-assembled before they're put on the cars and they are painted together with a very thick black paint. So the first problem here is that when you crack, you are cracking the paint to get that plug off for the first oil change. Generally, you can't even tell there's a gasket on there. There is a factory gasket on there, and it tends to be camouflaged and painted onto the plug or the pan. Most people can't see it. So until we identified this, there were probably many plugouts that were attributed or attributable to the fact that there was double gasketing because responsible service providers always make sure there's a gasket on. Now, if you can't see that there's a gasket on there, then you've got a double gasket And I would encourage anyone who's interested in this subject to get a copy of our petition and look at it, because we included a link to some fabulous DIYers uh, doing the first oil change on a brand new Kia, and they can't find the gasket. And they don't realize it, but they are double gasketing the car on video.
1: Wait, so... uh and yeah, I'll, I'll talk in while Michael's muted. So let me understand this because Michael and I were just talking about this minutes ago. So I bring my Hyundai to, you know, Jiffy Lube. I get it oil changed. And then I drive away. 3,000 miles later, there's no hey, oil light on saying, hey, you're getting lo- loose oil. Just the plug just falls out completely.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and generally at highway speeds.
1: Like, are there? Is it missing threads as well, or is it just no. because there's double gaskets?
3: It's the two. The two reasons are because I got the first one, and you're right. One is because potential double gasketing. If you're double gasketed, it's just not going to maintain a seal. Eventually, it's going to vibrate out. Okay. And the second reason is you. You got to consider what's going on with these Hyundai Kia engines. Okay. So we have a we have a whole range of defects that are going on with these. To, and, I, and I I treat them as one, you know, because they share engine platforms. So I just treat it as Hyundai slash Kia just sure. both. So they have, they have uh, connecting rod bearing clearance problems. Okay, I know that sounds, you know, ooh, it's very technical. What that what that means is if you have that, then oil can can bypass in the engine and get burned away. Uh, And and the engine oil is designed to to loop around. It's supposed to go around and around and around and lubricate your engine. It's not supposed to sneak out through different engine parts and burn. You don't want it to burn. If your engine oil is burning up, you've got a problem. You're going to have excessive oil consumption. You're going to get sludge. Right. You're going to end up with knock. See, a connecting rod bearing problem gives you ends up with knock, which is one of the most pervasive defects in these cars. Knock is vibration, vibration. So uh, think about that. You've got all this vibration on the road, just from the regular roads. Everyone think about how, how much worse the roads have gotten in the past 10 years with all the crazy weather we're having. The, the roads get bad. The potholes are going up all those things. So if that, if that drain plug isn't perfectly set, vibrates out like this. They can't see me, but you can.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> starts to vibrate right out. And that's why it most often comes out at highway speeds. Okay, now, so they... the other
1: problem is that the pan is cheap. That's the easiest way to say it. Well, the pan is cheap. cheap. I mean, they're painting on the bolts. Like, that's, that's, I had a landlord who did that with windows once.
3: Yeah, I tell you what, the only point at which we have not seen a plug out is before the first oil change. The only time we know for sure that that, Plug will not come out is before you crack the paint.
1: So presumably it's sealed in by the paint, right? Exactly. Yeah, so doesn't doesn't Hyundai Kia have in their service guide after cracking this and refilling to repaint the pan? Because I mean, <laughs> everyone should know that you repaint the bottom. You know, it's undercoating, right? It's obvious, right? You, <laughs> yeah. So no, going to the the defect here, you know,
2: it, how long you know, say your your oil drain pan plug falls out while you're driving. I'm presuming that leads to a loss of oil in your engine how and and the ultimate defect here and, and the unreasonable risk to safety is stalling. And it's something that has long been seen as as an unreasonable risk to safety because of the potential for crashes as the vehicles the vehicle stops in the middle of a highway. Um, if the is trying to maneuver to get off the road, I mean, we even have concerns about vehicles that are forced into limp home mode, like we see with the Hyundai-Kia non-sensor detection fix that um, we've seen manufacturers recall vehicles because they're going into limp home mode, and yet some manufacturers are using it to escape uh, responsibility under the Safety Act by putting their vehicles into limp home mode. So that's a problem in itself. But the defect here is functionally stalling and all the associated safety risks there is there a you know i guess it depends on how much oil you have in the t- in your vehicle at the time the plug falls out how long it is before the vehicle is subject to this issue could it be you know minutes hours the next time you drive minutes okay that's that's really fast and that's that's certainly concerning if you're you know actively driving you don't have time to get home and then you know start the car and or try to start the car and it doesn't start or that type of thing this is something that's going to actively happen to you on the road which qualifies it you know as that's really the first step in any defect analysis is looking at whether the outcome here presents an unreasonable risk to safety and you know,
1: it's this one has been pretty well documented. I would say it does. So what is Hyundai Kia's response been? Because we've covered a lot of issues with their cars with from engine fires to the TikTok generation, just stealing their cars easily. And with I, I loved it with the TikTok with the stealing Hyundai. Their first response is, well, we made the alarm go up for 30 more seconds. <laughs> like, so what are they what's their suggestion with this?
3: Uh, nothing so far. Um, we filed the petition uh, July of last year, and uh, we, we, we just keep updating it every time we get a new pack of cases. Um, we put it in there because that's what it takes for NHTSA, by the way. I want to yes. plug that for your listeners. Yes. You've got to complain to NHTSA with specific details. Okay, you've got to because that's the thing that motivates them. As Michael said, this is a yet another, to me, shocking situation where you've got a stalling safety defect, if you can stall at highway speeds, that should go to the top, that should go to the top of the pile. And they're probably saying over there, well, wait a minute, we have these same cars are bursting into flames. Okay, so that's the top of our pile. So So maybe it's second, maybe it's second to bursting into flames. But I think stalling at highway speeds would be terrifying. And there's something else I want to just throw into the mix, because this is the factor that actually got me to start doing major data scrapes on the complaints about Hyundai Kia. Uh, Notice this back in 20, well, 2019. Okay. So when you stall out at highway speeds in a Hyundai Kia vehicle, usually the customer reports that the dealer told them there's no diagnostic trouble code okay this is not with the this is not with a plug out defect with a plug out defect you're gonna have a variety of things happening and generally the engine's going to seize it would be very rare if your engine survives a plug out at highway speeds especially these these gdi engines and how fast they consume oil so um, but with all of the other problems, which I'm sure your listeners are have experienced or are probably familiar with hearing about them, there's a you know a new defect notice every three months or so. With all of them, they do have stalling events, and the most common complaint is the customer takes it to the dealer and the dealer says there's no diagnostic code. Now listen, you, that is a giant red flag. If your vehicle can stall at a highway speed and there is no diagnostic code popping up, that means whoever programmed the brain of your car programmed it to not consider stalling at highway speeds, quote unquote, trouble. Okay, now I'm really worried about that. Remember, the brains of these cars, they're not born, they're programmed and the same thing happened. I just want to point this out. People think I'm just on about Honda Kia, Ford Power Shift. Remember the Ford Power Shift fiasco with yeah. the Fiesta and the Focus? Yes. The same complaint pattern happened with them stalling out in traffic and the automaker reported no diagnostic trouble code. Okay. When, what I notice now is when you see that. You need to be seriously worried because they considered this when they were programming the car.
2: And those were those transmissions in the Fords that were problematic, right? They were, exactly. they were basically hesitating and you were hitting the gas and nothing was happening and cars were coming at you and you were in the middle of an intersection, that type of scenario.
3: Exactly. So that meant the car was programmed to consider that behavior normal, no trouble code.
0: Joanna, who determines what the trouble codes are in any particular vehicle. Is that completely up to the discretion of the manufacturer or are there any regulations that apply?
3: That's a great question, actually. And I'm looking into that because I want to make sure that we've got that straight. There are some standard trouble codes that all of the automakers tend to do. And then each automaker might have some individual ones for themselves. And one of the ones that I've just uh, started looking up last week is the is the general like as in all of the automakers are supposed to have it uh excessive engine oil consumption code and why we never ever see that code come up in the complaints how odd in the Hyundai Kia complaints not to see that when it is the number 1 problem those cars have that lead to it leads to all of the other events so whether it's uh, the oil is sneaking past that extra rod bearing clearance or the piston ring defect these are also pending class actions. Everyone can get a copy of those as well. Um, whether it, you know, it's one of those things. We we have the technical service bulletins um, available, and they're available to the public, by the way. Anytime you wanna see this stuff, I also wanna plug NITSA's website, NITSA's general recall website. It doesn't seem like that'd be a place where you would get technical service bulletins, but you can. Just go to, you know, NHTSA, I believe it's just um, plug in your VIN or your model, and it'll take you to a panel that'll give you an option to look up defects, complaints, investigations, and manufacturers' communications. And you look up those TSBs, They're, for Honda Kia, their excessive oil consumption TSBs cover all the engines they have. I mean, it's a total of, what, see, it's 271. I haven't added it up lately because they keep going up. Two seventy-one, two hundred seventy-one models for Hyundai, or is it three hundred sixteen? One of theirs is three hundred sixteen, and one's two seventy-one. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. We'll do the two seventy-one. So, and then you add on the sixty-eight for Kia. That's three hundred thirty-nine models. At excessive oil consumption. It's all the engines. And we'll and, we'll have
2: a list of these up on our website when yeah. we, or as many as we can nail down because it's a lot. It's really hard pegging and nailing down every model that's covered by recalls, especially ones that are or by defects, especially one that's this broad and covers so many different engines. Mm-hmm.
1: I would just want to point out for listeners who think autonomous vehicles are the wave of the future. The engineers that left out the stalling code, same engineers writing your self-driving car software, just putting it out there. okay? They've got it all figured out.
2: And we, we've seen oil sludge issues in the industry for decades now. Way before I started working at the center, there were problems in the Chrysler's and a lot of other models. So it's not as though they're unaware of of these type of issues. And it would make a lot of sense to have these type of codes so that engines aren't damaged and destroyed. It makes you wonder why they're not in place.
1: So right now for the consumers, when this happens you know, to them and their engine is essentially destroyed, what's their what's their recourse buy a new engine scrap the car
3: I- for me is that for me okay yeah, so yeah. there's a couple of things uh, actually the first thing i'd like to tell people is what to do before hopefully it won't happen to you but what to do now before i want to do the before first if uh, that's okay real quick
2: yeah i was gonna ask too is there anything they can do to maybe Prevent the plug from ever falling out in the first place.
3: (laughs) Well, no. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Okay, no, I can't. No, that I cannot guarantee, but there are some things they can certainly avoid. Okay. Uh, The number one thing for for Hyundai Kias, this is with or without, with or without the issue with the drain plugs. This is considering all the problems that they have, especially excessive oil consumption. If you have a Hyundai Kia, use the severe service interval. That's the short one. Okay, they've Kia has a TSB, the 219, where they admit that many if not most Kia customers, I'm quoting, are driving severe. And the dealers are supposed to be having a sit down with all the customers and get their oil change minder set properly to severe. I just did uh, just in my company I did a study last week Uh, And I'm, I'm still, um, just polishing off that study. So if your listeners are interested in that, they'll, they'll be able to get a copy of it on who rejects your warranty claim because you don't have every single oil change receipt from the beginning of time. Who does that? And I, all I do is when I do these studies, by the way, I just study oil change receipt. I don't go after any make. I don't go after any automaker. I just, I just study the subject. So, I said uh, oil change receipts and maintenance records. Okay, 81% of all of the cases where the automaker says, if you can't show every oil change receipt for the timing that you needed, for the interval you needed, if you can't show that from back to the beginning of time, the warranty is not covered, even if you're, you've got a recall engine, even if. Who
1: who keeps these things? No one does.
3: All of them. And what if you're a do-it-yourselfer? There are many complaints of do-it-yourselfers. They still have a right to do their own service if they want to. Well, you'd better keep all of your receipts from what you bought at, you know, at the auto parts store. You better keep the receipts for the oil and the filters and all the stuff you did and take a a timestamp photo of yourself doing the service, you know, under the thing. Here I am on this date. I did it. Uh, 81% they're all Hyundai Kia and there were only 5 or 6 automakers that had any complaints on that and there's an of all of the automakers that are reflected on those complaints 83% of the automakers had zero complaints of this this is how this is how unusual the situation is so I'm giving you all that information to underscore get your service done because it will be a warranty wrangling nightmare for you if you don't have all the receipts. You've just got to do it and you should assume that you have the severe service interval because of all the excessive oil consumption problems with these cars.
0: So that's well, number one. To, to be clear, um you should always get maintenance done sure, but you when you talk about saving your receipts, um, the time stamping events, all that. That's only in relation to Hyundai vehicles, right? It's its only their vehicles that have got this uh, bad service problem. Is that correct?
3: Well, it's, it's underscored for Hyundai Kia. Hyundai Kia right now is the in the studies I'm doing is the worst offender in terms of how they treat people. Um, but with any any vehicle, make sure that you get your maintenance done, because you see um, the warranty is a contract. It's a contract between you and the car company. And as a basic principle, the the automaker is not wrong. To insist that you maintain the car. It's not their fault if you didn't change your oil for 20,000 miles, okay? That is actually not their fault. They set the intervals in the owner's manual and the maintenance, or they, sometimes they have a separate um, maintenance document. They set the intervals, and you do have to meet them. So, uh, you know, given that we're seeing more problems versus less problems lately, uh, I would tell everybody, keep your receipts.
0: Keep if track- you if you have all your maintenance done at a dealer, is it also important to keep your receipts or are their service records adequate?
3: Great question, Fred. Uh, you keep your receipts, even if it's a dealer. Even if it's a dealer, you cannot be sure. Don't think that they've got you like in their database someplace and that when you have your problem, you're going to go to them and they're going to be like, yep, it's, in our, it's not in their best interest to clear you um something i just this is a good thing to point out right now is that the relationship between the dealers and the automakers is not fabulous <laughs> and the, de- the dealers are all over the states trying to strengthen their position against the automakers okay so when you go in you've got a problem with your engine and say it's even a it's an it's a clear defect that is that is reflected in, a, in an official recall through NHTSA. Even that moment when you take it in, the dealer is probably going to have to fight with the automaker to get reimbursed for your stuff. And so when the dealers and the automakers have to have these fights over who's going to get what, it then becomes extra pressure on the dealer. So if they can toss your case because you didn't get the oil changed for the last seven years, they're going to do it because it is a headache. I would encourage anybody, in fact, before you buy a new car, to peruse the, the the master document, which is updated all the time and it's available to the public. I know it sounds super dry, but you know what is not dry? Stalling out on the highway, okay? So, like, go get the master document before you buy a car and read the TSBs and you see what is going back and forth between the automakers and the dealers. And it will give you a really good idea of whether it's going
0: to be smooth sailing for a particular car. And we've talked to a lot of consumers. Go ahead, Fred. Sorry. Another question though. Uh, When this happens, you're dumping five quarts of slippery oil onto the highway. Uh, Is there any history of other vehicles being involved in crashes or hazardous operation due to the uh, oil being spilled on the highway?
3: That's a great question. Uh, that is actually our next step, because this is—it is dangerous. Number one, which you just explained, it is very dangerous. It is also an environmental disaster. It only takes one quart, one quart of used oil, to contaminate an entire river and entire lake. I mean, it's oh. everybody knows that the EPA's "you dump it, you drink it" program. So that's and our next step is to
0: pressure them from from that side another question that pops into my head. Is there something special about these uh, these plugs i mean i've I've changed a lot of oil. it's just a, a threaded stud with a flange on the end and a, and a resilient seal in between. Is there anything special about these uh, Hyundai items they made from titanium with titanium, or who knows what?
3: they well, they appear to be made from, um, stamped steel, which is cheap. That's about the cheapest way you can do it. And when you, um, we've, you know, obviously bought the, the factory parts so we could take a good look at them. And what's behind the plug, like what the plug is screwing into has got this little, it's almost like cardboard. It's almost, it, it's this very cheap piece, um, behind it that it screws into. Um, we also have evidence and we've been collecting evidence on the pans cracking. Um, the pans sometimes just give way. Um, there's Think about um, the total circumstances here. I think you need the complete package. If you had really efficient, consistent engines, so you weren't getting um, high pressure, you weren't getting extra heat, you weren't getting all that extra vibration, maybe, you know, without the double gasketing, maybe the plugs wouldn't come out. But that's not that's not the case. That's not what we have here. I mean, keep in mind that this is the same same um, the same two companies, Hyundai Kia, that have a construction equipment grade filter requirement for all of their cars. Why does a little sedan need an oil filter? That has a canister burst pressure of 600 PSI, okay, when all of its other like cars by other automakers with engines of the same size, only needs an oil filter with a 240 PSI burst
2: pressure.
1: Wait, so they're using the same oil filters that are in bulldozers and excavators? (laughs) Yes. (laughs)
3: Yes.
2: <laughs> and they're and, requiring, are they requiring consumers to use those as well when they replace their, when they change their oil?
3: Yes, they do. And it's not in the owner's manual. So you wouldn't even
2: know you would, no. you would buy your car and you would go to an independent oil change shop, maybe because your Kia dealer is 400 miles away and you live in Montana. Right. And
1: you're not even going to know about the problem. No. Would some local no. shop even store items like that? Because they're not typically not servicing, you know, Volvo D90, you know, excavators or something. Well, they
2: they would give you the they'll give you the normal aftermarket right. oil filter. And then your oil pressure in your engine, I assume, is going to blow the top off that thing. And you're going to start having some of the problems we've seen.
3: Yeah. Unless they're members of the Automotive Oil Change Association. OK, <laughs> because the know, professionals right? know okay. they know and they use and they and also aftermarket um oil filter manufacturers know and so now for their equivalent of the hyundai kia filter it's rated to 600 you know psi burst pressure but when you know when that tsb we challenged a tsb for for hyundai kia both of them had one all models tsb back in 2012 that said you can you know you've got to use A dealer I mean excuse me an automaker brand oil filter it didn't say you need to use a filter that has a canister burst pressure of 600 psi it said if a car comes in and it's you know knocking whistling you know doing all the things that the theta 2 defective engine did if it's doing any of those things and it has an aftermarket filter on it it's because of the aftermarket filter that's the problem. And so this is not a warranty repair. You get rid of that and you must use an OEM filter. And of course, that's a it, that's a, a roundabout Magnuson-Moss Warranty Act violation.
2: It is. They're gaslighting America.
3: <laughs> it's a yes, it's a roundabout because what they're saying is you don't do a diagnostic on that engine, you see an aftermarket part and you just assume it's the aftermarket part right. and you have to use a proprietary part and then you charge the customer for that proprietary part and of course we did challenge this to the federal trade commission and they did nothing about it and if they had done something about it then we would have had at least one excuse that hyundai kia was using for years before the theta 2 engine class action defect class action i mean that was was that was was so
2: long ago that was 2012 right so that you would have That could have avoided a ton of consumer nightmares that have taken place. Oh,
3: so many. And they never published the fact that it was a 600 PSI burst pressure. I know I've said that like five times now, but this is a big deal. It is unheard of in cars of that size to use it to require a filter like that. And so this is a long way to answer Fred's question, but that's the there is extreme pressure going on with these cars, extreme pressure and vibration and heat.
2: Was that original equipment on those vehicles? Was it that type of filter or were they putting the regular one on there and then they started seeing problems with their engine design and they switched?
3: Yes. Yes. When I talked to the oil filter manufacturers, that's what I was, that's what I asked them. I'm like, wait a minute. Was it from go? Because they have to, because the the manufacturers have to have the aftermarket parts ready when the cars roll out, right? They have to be ready Within uh, you know a month or so, they have to be ready. And since Hyundai Kia didn't notify anybody about what was going on with that filter, they of course made filters that were for normal engines of that size. And then the filter was changing. And so what the information that I have is that even Hyundai Kia was upping and upping and upping and upping the burst pressure over time. You try to
2: find something that could control the terrible design they put into yeah. play
0: okay yeah. uh, Gerena, a- i just I, i'm sorry i i just checked our friends at amazon and i looked for hyundai oil filters and i noticed a listing here for a k and n premium oil filter protect your engine so what we've just been discussing says that's probably going to uh, create problems for your car is there any it, it, has amazon got any liability here or are they because they're essentially selling incompatible oil filters under the heading of Hyundai, uh, Hyundai Kia, or is that you know are they immune from any response to that?
3: Well, that's a very interesting question. Um, we should probably get a representative from the Auto Care Association here to talk about that side of it. That's a little bit outside of my expertise here. Um, auto care association represents the manufacturers. So I would really encourage you to, to have that, have like have another conversation about this with the people who are the, the true experts in that subject. Um, but there's basic, there's basic, um, what you'd say, you know, unfair and deceptive practices, uh, that do apply to all retailers. Uh, I don't know how the, the, um, selling contracts are worded between Amazon and retailers who sell through Amazon. uh, I don't know what I, I, somehow I suspect that Amazon will find a way to make it the, you know, the underlying sellers problem.
2: There are a lot of problems in that area on Amazon going beyond oil filters too. I mean, motorcycle helmets and a lot of child seats and a lot of things that are non-compliant with American law can be bought online and shipped to America for use here. And so NHTSA has, that's been a headache for NHTSA's compliance office, I know for many years now. So good question. Um, And also going back to the FTC, you know, we filed a petition on a certain auto company that was um, advertising its vehicles as fully self-driving. Five, six years ago, before, you know, a dozen or more people have died in them and the FTC had a similar response, which was nothing. So um we've discovered over the past twenty years the FTC is infrequently helpful to on safety issues and on consumer deception issues when it comes to cars. Um it's been it's been difficult to get them engaged on Tesla, and so I can see how they might have been, it might have been even more difficult to get them engaged on a, on a, an oil issue that they would probably see as outside
3: of their per, normal purview. Indeed. Is it is it OK if I go back for a second? I didn't yep. answer all of Anthony's question. I just gave him one thing, the, uh, the preface before you have a problem. Just make sure that you're maintaining the heck out of your car um, and that you keep all the receipts. But the other thing is if this situation is is happening to you um, and most Hyundai, Kia customers will end up taking their cars back to the dealer because the warranties are so long, okay? So generally you'll take it back there. Um, it's very important to get whatever their decision is in writing. Now, if they're taking care of you, which by the way, uh, there must be some g- some good Hyundai KIA deal- deals out there. Just percentages. If you just play the percentages of complaints, there must be some good ones out there, and they're just taking care of their people and their lives. Must I mean the the dealers' lives must be hell um, because having i re- you know having read like all of their TSBS and what it's like for them to go back and forth with the automaker, it must be really tough for the good ones.
2: They're stuck but, in the middle. I mean, yeah, they are so stuck in the difference. middle.
3: No. Um, but for everyone else that's not having a, having a good experience, you've got to insist if they are giving you some kind of warranty denial, or if they're saying that the customer has to pay for even a basic diagnostic or this or that, or we're not going to, um, do this without you paying for everything because you don't have your, your maintenance receipts back to the beginning of time. Um, get it in writing from them make them put it in writing what typically happens is you go in um you might even be in a in a state of trauma because if your car stalled out at highway speeds and you just managed to get to the side of the road and I'm saying this from having read I mean it thousands of these complaints so you made it to the side of the road you are somewhat traumatized at that point except if you are you know maybe you're an amateur race car driver you're a very cool customer but for everybody else that's a big deal your heart's racing you you know you don't know what happened also you need your car the average person needs their car to make their life work so the two things that just happened is your life were at risk your life was just at risk and now what's going to happen with your car how are you even going to get your car to the next place there's all these questions it's traumatizing so usually that's going to happen like that and then you will go to the dealer because the warranty is so long so when you get there and especially between there and the dealer you got to breathe you have got to breathe you have got to slow your heart rate down and this is not the advice you were expecting But I promise you that if you go into the dealer experience fully, like 100% traumatized, it's going to be bad. You may get taken advantage of, you may just serve yourself up to get taken advantage of if you're traumatized. Um, And you may be further traumatized when they take your car in, if they come back out and tell you, well, I don't know, are you sure that happened? Because there's no diagnostic code. I don't know. I mean, there's no trouble codes here. Are you sure that just happened to you? Now, you know it happened to you. So now you're going to have like all that extra trauma of like you want to be I'm not I'm telling the truth. Why don't you believe me? Um, This is dangerous for me. I don't want to take this car out now. I got to go pick my kids up from soccer practice. You know, you see how this is whole the whole thing is traumatizing. So that's why I'm saying you got to breathe. You've got to get your heart rate down. They are, you know, just slow it down and get everything in writing and assume that you are going to need to figure out how to get a ride. And that's okay. not, again, this is not a normal experience. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying with this particular automaker, you've got to assume that you need to get ready for that. Get yourself prepared, because most of the complaints will tell you that they are not going to have a ride ready for you, that they're not going to have a loaner ready for you, that even if they acknowledge that you need to have an engine replacement, there will not be an engine ready for you. Okay, they don't have enough engines to go around for these situations. So you need to know that this is a really tough spot and keep breathing and get your documentation because you can make the most effective Defense for yourself with documentation from them. They want documentation from you. You tell them you want it in writing. Anything they're telling you, they want to tell you it's because a non-dealer serviced the car. Get that in writing. It's not enough to have the the you know the service writer across the desk from you saying, it's this, it's that, it's that. You try to challenge that. You if you get through arbitration, you don't get what you want in our, the mandatory arbitration. And then you want to take them to small claims and you say, "Well, this is what the service writer told me." And then the dealer rep is there saying, just shaking their head going, "No, no. That's not what happened. It wasn't like that at all. This person is, you know, I don't know. I don't know what was going on that day with that person."
0: I got to get you know, it in writing. Go ahead, Fred. Uh, Joanna, so okay, I'm a I'm a perfect consumer. I've got all these receipts for the oil change in my hand. I've been very diligent about that. What do I do with that? Do I go into the dealer and say, come on, fix it because I got these receipts? Do I go to the ACLU? Do I ask for the regional service manager? What do I do with, with this extensive documentation I've got in my hand?
3: Okay. Well, again, in, if, we are, if we're talking about um, any of the cases, it's not just necessarily the plug-out defect, any of the defects where you stall out, so you've been towed. OK, that, that's the comment. Okay, so you've been towed um, and you have your documentation with you. So you prove that you'll you'll go through that process with them. They'll ask. They'll ask for your documentation and then you'll prove that. And then if you're you know, if you're in a, if you're in a good situation if you're in a, and with honest people, um, they're going to deal with it, they're going to deal with it. Then I'm going to tell you um, you need an engine replacement because you probably do. I mean, in any of these situations, you probably do need an engine replacement. Um, And it may be weeks or months before they can even get you an engine. So they're gonna have to work out a loaner for you. And that's your best case scenario when this happens.
2: Yeah, you're covered under warranty in that scenario, right? Yeah,
3: yeah, you got the warranty and so you're covered and that's what they'll do. Now, if it's uh, one of these Worst case scenarios, you'll go in and even if you have your maintenance receipts, they might try to say to you, Well, but you have to pay us uh anywhere I've seen anywhere from six hundred dollars to two thousand plus dollars for diagnostics and teardown, you have to pay us for that, you know, and you're not supposed to pay for that. If you're under warranty, uh you're not supposed to do that. Um and your recourse, unfortunately, since the advent of mandatory arbitration in uh, vehicle purchase contracts and leasing contracts, you're required to go through the system. If you're if you have a dispute about whether or not the car if the car is the problem, uh, then you have to go through that process and it's supposed to take place, the whole thing is supposed to be started and done little over a month before you get to the end. yeah before you get to the end and um you know i wrote about this extensively in uh, asa's comments to the ftc when they did the nixing the fix process mm-hmm. uh after all the research i did i said you know this what you've got going on here with the it's basically the better business bureau that handles it their auto line um and this is not a knock at better business bureau this is the way the system is set up so basically you've got a system where people are in a vacuum now, they're in a vacuum the minute this happens. And no matter how they've been treated, no matter how obvious it is, they're going to go through this process for maybe 40 days. The average person cannot afford a $500 emergency in any given month. So how are they supposed to get transportation? And frequently, loaners aren't aren't made available or they have to pay. Um what are they, you know, they're, what are they supposed to do between now and then? Uh, you have and to go just through that waiting process. waiting for a
2: decision on whether they're covered under warranty. That's right. And that doesn't even include, you know, getting the engine to the dealership and installing it, which could take another month or two, depending on the global or supply six, chain.
3: Or six months. Yeah. There are, this is a well-known problem that there are,
2: so that tons becomes a $3,000 problem just in acquiring transportation, right? Or a, a, right. A, a separate car if you're not covered. In addition to the fact that you, I mean, it's, these engines, we've, you know, just continually seen problems with them. You know, that we're going back to the the fire issues that we filed petition on, the oil, all of that's been related. It's all related to a, a poor design in these engines, And we've continued to see complaints come in from consumers who are just going through the ringer on these things. They buy the car. They still owe $10,000 on it. So they think they need to get an engine replacement. But I'm at the point with many of them when they when they complain to the center where I I started saying you need to walk away. From this this engine, you know, it's. It's, you know, and and then that raises a whole other set of questions. Well, do I sell this car on to another person who's going to experience the problem too? You know, I've had Hyundai and key owners reach out to try to find services that will part their car out for them and sell it in pieces versus selling it whole to another human. Um, And unfortunately, those are incredibly difficult to find if they exist at all, because most people who get a whole car are going to try to sell the whole car. Um so it's this is a really 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 bad area for consumers and you know even if NHTSA does find that there is a defect in the oil drain pan assembly here they're going to the recall will probably be something that makes the plug fit better and it won't really address again this overall bad engine design that's putting consumers out so i just Hyundai and Kia have been playing you know They've been patching up holes along the way and protecting, you know, their profit margins as much as possible when what they probably should have done is just completely redesigned their engines in 2013. And we all could have avoided this nightmare.
1: Yeah, what are they replacing sure. the engines with? So I get in there, I need a new engine. Are they basically just giving a new copy of the same crappy engine? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So listeners, so you need to keep all of your service records, Stuff them in your glove compartment. And I didn't realize this because, like, I have t- my car supposed to get every 5,000 miles supposed to get service. And I'm like, I'm not going to bring it in that. All. That's ridiculous. Like, I don't, It doesn't need to have, you know, the air rotating its tires every 5,000 miles. I'll, I'll do You're
2: Googling 10, how long can I go without an oil change.
1: Well, yeah, but now <laughs> I'm like, okay, I have to go in every 5,000 miles. I'm going to ask the dealership, hey, give me a copy of all my past service records to look at me sideways. But hopefully they'll do it. I'm gonna contact my doctor and get a prescription for beta blockers. Uh, so if this ever does happen, I can become like Mario Andretti and just be very calm and relaxed. Uh, this is this is awful. I mean, and, and this is it. Pretty much looks like every car they've made since what 2012, 2013. Yeah, like there's and and okay so. Michael went through all of Nitsa's recalls, and and we found just, there was anything even remotely similar to this oil plug thing. He found one from was it, it was BMW in like uh, 2003, and it was you know it was basically on certain passenger vehicles. The drain plug wasn't didn't have enough torque. Bring it into the dealership, and they'll test the torque, which is nonsense. They just went in there, and a you know a mechanic was just like crank and oh yeah, we didn't tighten it enough. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna measure the torque on this bolt, but but this always comes down to, it seems like what all with the majority of recalls and all these issues come down to is somebody trying to save what four or five cents on a part. Like, this, yes, you know, I
2: think that, I think in this case, you know, they were trying to design more efficient and more powerful engines. Um, and they didn't get it right, you know, and, and, and instead of, turning that around and fixing it when they started to see problems that were requiring them to put bulldozer uh, oil filters on these cars. And it's it should have been clear to them at that point that this path wasn't sustainable as far as you know the outcomes it was going to create for consumers. But they forged on through and kept making engines that have this problem for what? another eight nine years maybe there's they're still making them we're not i'm not totally sure on that um well there is
3: a theta three now
2: that's just scary <laughs>
3: <laughs> well and then, you know another thing to that just you know adds to the mess is that that you know one of the reasons they could have gotten cheaper about the oil drain pan you know making a cheap stamp steel um is that it's lighter and uh, one of the things that vehicle manufacturers did in response to clean air act requirements
2: fuel economy
3: fuel economy was to see how light what anything they could make lighter because that affects the entire equation you got to picture a very large algebraic equation for their entire fleet and if you want to sell heavy suvs and trucks then you, you have to lighten anything you can lighten. And they, they probably did. They probably got a 0.01 into that equation for these lighter, cheaper oil drain pans. And, you know, an oil drain pans and plugs and their plugs and their gaskets. These are maintenance items. These are replacement items. When they took this, this. These here are these telltale signs again of there's a problem here, and I have been studying their their owners' manuals, everything about them. Once I saw, seriously, once I saw all the distressed customers, these are the most traumatized complaints of anything that goes into Nitsa. These people are they are begging, they are traumatized. They give really detailed descriptions of what it's like to have this happen to them and how badly they were treated. Once I saw that, I'm like, that's it. I'm gonna dig up everything on this company. So I looked at their owner's manuals after, I believe it's, and I even have it in the complaints. It's around 2008, 2009. They remove oil change information from their owner's manuals. See, once upon a time, one of the most common do-it-yourselfer maintenance items, and, it's, and it should be is an oil change. This is basic. This is basic. You've got to have enough oil in a combustion engine vehicle or it's dangerous. So do-it-yourselfers used to do this themselves. I mean, really, until the advent of the, of the fast loop industry, which I represent full disclosure, but until that happened, um, most people would do their own. And so the information on how to do an oil change was standard in owner's manuals. It is still standard in most owner's manuals, but not Hyundai, Kia. They used to have all the information. It would say, you need this much oil. You need this much torque pressure on the drain plug. That's a very important point, right? Because if you don't do enough, it's too loose. If you do too much, you ruin the threads. This is critical information. Well, right about the time we start having all these engine problems, right before that happens, they take all that info out. And they don't tell you again, I've said this before, but it bears repeating and they never, ever tell the customer that the oil filter they have to use has a 600 PSI canister burst pressure. I mean, how could you have how could you have a requirement like that, which is so abnormal, so unusual and and it's a maintenance item and you don't put it in the owner's manual? There are still a lot of do-it-yourselfers out there, okay, and they have a federal right to not use an OEM to spend all the extra money for an OEM part. They have a right to choose a competing part, but the manual doesn't even, doesn't warn them, doesn't say anything, doesn't talk about the torque pressure, and believe me, on this oil drain plug issue, I've seen um, do-it-yourselfers in the consumer forums talking about, well, should I put extra pressure on it? Would that make a difference and i know that was a question here too is there anything you can do to stop that thing from falling out and the answer is no <laughs> you know if you if you do extra it doesn't stop it and you ruin the threads right. and and here's another thing i haven't mentioned yet the professional service industry is switching to extraction only for hyundai kias in fact some dealers according to consumer complaints are even switching to extraction only Nobody wants to touch that plug. What, and what does
1: that mean, extraction only?
3: Extraction means you go from the top. You go through the engine and suck <laughs> out the oil, and you don't even touch
1: the plug. <laughs> you don't even go near the plug. Wow. Wow. No. You know, and plugs are advanced technology. We haven't, we've only had these for a couple of weeks.
3: I know. I know. I, and so they extract it, and we already have We already have complaints where the extraction only, the plug still falls out.
2: Ah, uh unbelievable what, so, okay. so, so this is extraction only that suggests that drain plugs
3: may be a thing of the past right well maybe we'll just have to i mean right. be- between the drain plugs and the 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 now the skid plates they're adding all kinds of skid plates on this is a crop this is a cross mix it's not just IKEA, right. which and it's hard to access. very difficult right. so you put those two things together maybe everybody will so never crack the paint you know, I mean, maybe they'll just maybe that will be the TSB that they put out extraction only on these cars. Don't. But that would be the penny. end
2: of the home repair, right? Doesn't that functionally eliminate the ability of someone to change their own oil unless well, they Well, if
3: they're hardcore, they could buy the equipment. They could buy the extraction <laughs> equipment.
2: Well, that sounds that penny. sounds expensive.
3: <laughs> uh, I haven't priced it, but you know, if if the industry switches to that, somebody will make it. Somebody will make it available. <laughs>
2: So we've got a couple other things that we're that are kind of circling this whole conversation. I mean, we won't even dive into since we've already talked about it, the other, you know, 5,000 plus consumers whose Hyundai Ikea's went up in flames on the side of the road. Um, that's been a problem that was a, supposedly addressed by a software knock sensor recall, but I don't have just an incredible amount of faith in the ability of that recall to solve things. Um, It's functionally another Dodge by Hyundai and Kia getting around the fact that the real defect here is the engine and that no matter what software you put in it that puts people into limp home mode when it detects knocking that's not a solution to the defect here. That's a band-aid that allows Hyundai and Kia consumers to continue experiencing this nightmare of engine failure over time. Um, so, so far, you know, when it comes to defect in this area, NHTSA has, I guess, a mixed track record. You know, they did open the fire investigation and there have been a number of other Hyundai and Kia fires not even related to this engine condition that have that have gone on there, but In this circumstance, you know, this petition has been sitting there now for, you know, some time, not as long as some NITSA petitions sit around, um, but it's, you know, it's, this is an issue that's been going on for many years. And, you know, the longer NITSA takes to fix it, the more chance there is that someone's going to experience this condition stall and be in a crash or or be severely injured or die. So it's um, kind of pressing in some ways, right? I mean, we don't always see the, you know, and going back to some of the Tesla issues, we don't always see the urgency from the agency that, that we think we should and, and when their life and death issues at stake, particularly when, you know, the defect is so well proven out by, you know, all the complaints and all the data that you've submitted to the agency over the, over the, the past year or so. So that's. That's one part. Um, we didn't get into a whole other part on early warning reporting, um, which which you something you've also looked at and something we've long looked at with involving NHTSA basically in 2000, 2001, when the Tread Act was, was passed by Congress in response to the Ford Firestone rollover problems, um, manufacturers were required to start reporting a lot of things to NHTSA, um, deaths and injuries, warranty, and other information, uh, property damage depending on the size of the manufacturer and a lot of other factors that was required uh, to be started. I believe manufacturers started reporting around 2003. Um, And we have over the years found a number of discrepancies in reporting um, some of that resulted in some really large fines being levied against manufacturers like Honda and even I think Ferrari and a couple of others uh back in the I think around the 2010, somewhere in that era, if my memory serves me right. But um you have pointed out that there are are situations here where perhaps Hyundai and Kia should be reporting incidents to the early warning reporting and haven't been because they are essentially shifting the blame in this situation onto uh, other parties other than themselves when these drain plugs go missing.
3: Indeed, indeed. That's a really good recap on early warning reporting. Yeah, Um, I I went into the regs to try to see how they were getting around reporting these instances. Uh, There, there, we have, are aware of hundreds. Um, I've got 137 cases now. It's combined consumer complaints to NHTSA, um, professionals in the industry, and consumer forums. But we are aware of probably 1000s. Uh, because I've talked to the insurance companies and one of the insurance companies is trying to trying to get clearance to give me their data. That's always hard. (laughs) Yeah, very hard. They want to because they are tired of paying these. They're tired of paying. And they've come out strongly against Hyundai and Key, obviously on the
2: um the uh what is it, the immobilizer issue and theft, where they stopped insuring them. I wish they'd done something similar um with when they started seeing so many fires, because that was really the with, on the Hyundai Kia fire issue, the insurance companies were really the people who were receiving the most complaints because everyone whose car catches on fire is reporting it to insurance. They're not reporting it to Kia and Hyundai, and they're not reporting it to Nitsa every time, but exactly. you can be sure they're reporting it to insurance.
3: Exactly. You know, by the just by the way, I keep waiting for the case where the Hyundai Hyundai or Kia is stolen, and then as the police are chasing him, it stalls out on the highway. Yeah. The oil drains out of the bottom. And stalls. That's a great out.
1: immobilizer built in, right? <laughs> I think when I see kids in my neighborhood steal those cars, maybe that's what's happening. Is are <laughs> just like, we're abandoning it. Car stalled out. Let's steal it. There,
3: there are going to be customers in an alley going, psst, psst, kid, steal my car. Please, please steal my car. I'll give you fifty bucks. <laughs> please take to this. Steal my car. And I'm endorsing
1: that as a way to get rid of your. Hungry. We are not. Oh. We want everybody to get that recall. We are, it's not we are joking.
3: We are we are
1: officially joking about that. Um, but, the, but the but yeah, the think early the early warning video as not as Fred is nodding his head saying yes, do it, do it.
0: No, no, no. no. I'm, I'm just wondering. <laughs> I'm just wondering how much you have to pay somebody to steal your Kia. <laughs>
1: I mean, given the kids are like 14 years old, I don't know. Yeah, a pack 17. of gum and a Playboy.
0: Well, I'm know. sticking 20 bucks, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, all right, all right. We, we've okay. spent a, a little over an hour. I think we should uh, we should wrap up. Um, there's a lot of stuff I know we wanted to get to today, but I, I, you know, how long can we hold listeners on for? So, well, you know, we can always do part two when Nitsa fixes this whole problem. I think we're definitely having you come back for a part two. But I, mean, I think it, we oh. we ganged up a lot on Kia Hyundai today. We're gonna put a link to an amazing video um, that, that happened out in California where it's a Kia going down the road someone's truck the tire pops off explodes goes right in front of this car and this car launches into the air it goes at least it looks like 10 feet in the air and oh, yeah media, and it flipped around landed and happened. right on its oh, top
2: it landed wow. right on its top it was so, amazing and the amazing that person was- wouldn't have survived 20 years ago without some of the roof crush and thing. they certainly wouldn't have survived without a seatbelt on and um the-
1: but that and the-, and, the- and the car never
2: stalled but that was an amazing video because it just shows you how little time a driver or an autonomous vehicle might have you know might have to respond to something like that i mean there is no avoiding some crashes and that's a good example of it when a tire pops off right in front of your car i mean nothing you can do that was some,
1: some impeccable timing though by those drivers yeah. Well, hey, uh, Joanna, thank you so much for being our guest today. This was. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Incredible. Thanks for having me. So, um, hey, listeners, we'll be back next week. We'll have some recall roundup. Fred will do more deep dives on our AV consumer bill of rights, um, and whatever. Uh, you know, we'll update you on whatever GM Cruise crashes into next. Uh, so, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: For more information, visit www.autosafety.org.